0: Welcome to the IG Living Advocate. I'm your host, Abby Cornett, the patient advocate for IG Living Magazine, the only magazine dedicated to patients who are treated with immune globulin products and to their care providers. Each podcast episode will give our listeners an opportunity to hear from experts on a topic important to you. In this episode, we will be talking about changes in Medicare and how they affect patients who use IG products. Today, we have with us, guest expert Leslie Vaughn. Leslie is Chief Operations Officer for New Factor, a specialty pharmacy. Leslie has been a licensed pharmacist since 1990 and has spent the majority of her career in the home infusion specialty pharmacy space with a specific focus on immunoglobulin products. Leslie's expertise is in both clinical care and understanding reimbursement and the associated challenges faced by patients treated with immunoglobulin. She is a li- she's licensed in multiple states and currently is certified as an immune globulin certified pharmacist and certified specialty pharmacist. Medicare can be confusing for everyone, but for those with a chronic illness, it can be even more challenging. Today, I thought we could cover some of the questions patients might have about reimbursement and IVIG. I am frequently asked about the Medicare IVIG Demonstration Project. Could you please give us a little background on it?
1: Uh, good morning, Abby. I would be happy to give a little bit of background on it. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast today. So the Medicare IVIG demonstration project has been in effect since October of 2014, and um, it has been slated to end a couple of times, but twice now has been extended by Congress. So the original intent of the project when it uh, started in October of 2014 was, as, a, as noted as a pilot project, to determine if adding a payment for supplies and services, specifically for nursing, would improve access to home infusion therapy for many patients with specific diagnoses receiving IVIG, and those diagnoses are very are specific to primary immune deficiency.
0: Thank you. Um, that, I know that we get a lot of questions about that, and that was very informative. Next What are the beneficiary eligibility requirements for the demonstration project?
1: So eligibility is limited to beneficiaries who are covered by traditional fee-for-service Medicare Part B and are actively enrolled in Part B. So it wouldn't apply to somebody who has a Medicare Advantage plan or, or any other sort of Medicare bill for denial or something along those lines. So the beneficiary needs to be receiving IVIG, so intravenous immunoglobulin, for one of the diagnosis codes that are currently covered by Medicare Part B in the home setting. And that includes some, but not all of the primary immune deficiency diagnosis codes. There's actually a list of 24 diagnosis codes that are covered under Medicare Part B for home infusion. Um, one thing to consider, if someone is receiving some other home health services, so you know, for example, they have a home health aide coming in for for diabetic, diabetic education or some other uh, other home health episode of care, there actually isn't coverage for the uh, demonstration project for the services being provided until that episode of home health care has ended. So anybody could they, they can apply and register to be a part of the demonstration project. and as long as they're not under another home health episode of care, services can be built to Medicare Part B for those su- services and supplies.
0: I know the demonstration project had originally been scheduled to end last December, but it has been extended, like you mentioned before, a number of times, and it was extended through December uh, 31st, 2023. Could you please uh, tell us about the extension of the project and how that will affect patients and do you foresee them extending it again at the end of 2023?
1: Sure, happy to. So as as mentioned, when it was initially rolled out in 2014, the the demonstration project allowed for a total of 4,000 beneficiaries to access the program. And so that's 4,000 distinct patients, not necessarily 4,000 patients at at any one given time. So one of the things in the latest extension, and, and so for example, if you have you were on the demonstration project, getting IVIG, and then you were changed to sub QIG, even though you weren't still accessing the demonstration project, you counted as one of those 4,000 people. So with the extension, um, one of the nice things that was added is the actual total number of beneficiaries who can access the demonstration project went from 4,000 to 6,500. So it did did open up registration for an additional 2,500 beneficiaries. Um, as you mentioned, it is slated to end December, 2023. I'm not really sure if it'll be extended, but a- again, one difference between the previous extension and this extension is this extension actually calls for a report, to be, uh, you know, a report of the services to be evaluated and submitted in 2022. So I think you know, with that report coming in 2022, assuming the project has done what it hoped was was hoped to have done uh, perhaps we'll see a, a long-term permanent coverage for supplies and services in the home for all, all beneficiaries re- receiving IVIG rather than just you know, the, the demonstration project beneficiaries. Um, just you know, for, for informational purposes, the current rate for 2021 is $381.57, and that's for each infusion. And you know, for the most part, that that covers the cost of the services to provide the, the supplies and nursing. And if it's a particularly long infusion, that actually might not cover the cost of services, but I I think generally probably just covers the cost of providing service.
0: Thank you. That was really uh, a lot of information on the demonstration project, and I'm sure our listeners found it very uh, informative. There are a couple other topics I'd like to cover today. Um, Many of our listeners... Uh, infused subcutaneous immunoglobulins or SCIG products, could you please go over uh, the new permanent codes for billing and nursing associated with SCIG and what patients need to know about that?
1: Sure. So th- this actually goes back to 2016. And so at the, at the end of 2016, Congress passed a really, really large piece of legislation called the 21st Century Cures Act. Um, Changes to sub-QIG were in that particular piece of legislation. So a couple of things that happened with that. Um, The first was a a change to the way that Medicare B reimburses home infusion providers for sub-QIG. So previously, the basis was something called average wholesale price, and that actually changed with the passage of the 21st Century Cures Act to average sales price plus 6% or Medicare rates. Now that, that was a fairly significant reduction in reimbursement for the home infusion providers. So as part of that, to offset that reduction legislation included a requirement to determine some sort of a method to reimburse for nursing services. So from 2019 to 2021, this was accomplished by using a, a few transitional codes, which allowed the infusion provider to bill Medicare for services when a nurse was in the home, helping the patient infuse. Effective January 2021, the transitional codes were retired and new permanent codes were put in place. So there are two specific codes to sub-QIG. There's G0089, and that allows the home infusion provider to bill for the initial visit or the, the initial teaching visit. And then the second is G0069, which allows the home infusion provider to bill for subsequent visits that are either to continue teaching Or in some cases, if a patient can't become independent with their own therapy, there is now coverage for long-term nursing services. Um, Again, the rates rates vary by state. So each state has a little bit of a different look at at how they're going to reimburse the home infusion providers for that. Um, For the initial visit, it ranges from around $250 to $340 for the initial visit. And then for subsequent visits, it ranges from about $150 to $200. So as with the IBIG demonstration rates, these rates are probably pretty close to covering the cost of providing nurse, nursing services. But if it's a significantly longer visit, you know sometimes it, you know, the nursing cost may be more. Um, I, I will caveat that with that. You know patients aren't asked to pay for, you know pay for additional nursing services if it's a long visit. You know generally the the home infusion provider will try to figure ways to maybe reduce the visit if necessary by you know, splitting over a couple of days. So so you shouldn't be asked to pay anything on top of what either the IVIG demonstration project or these new permanent rates for sub-QIG are paying.
0: Thank you, Leslie. That that was really interesting. Um, I'm sure our listeners that use SCIG will be able to use that information. Let's move on to my last question. Can you explain the changes in coverage for Hyzentra for chronic inflammatory um, demyelinating polyneuropathy? also known as CIDP, um, from the Part D to Part B at home?
1: Yep, happy to. So this was effective as of July 18th 2021 of this year. So there was a change made to um, the way that that Medicare is covering Hyzentra or CIDP. And prior to this change, Hyzentra was generally covered under the Part D as a dog benefit, but With this change, um, it actually is now covered under what's called the external infusion pump policy. So the the change to the external infusion pump policy was specifically to add coverage for for CIDP and and a very specific diagnosis code, G61.81, and it's now shifted under the Medicare Part D benefit. So for patients with G61.81 CIDP, getting and infusing it with a pump, their coverage would now shift from Part D, as in dog, to Part B, as in boy. Um, This could have some impact to the home infusion specialty pharmacy providers. As as I mentioned earlier, the 21st Century Cures Act changed the way that sub-QIG was reimbursed and and kind of really reduced that reimbursement. So you may find in some situations that home infusion or specialty pharmacy providers may struggle to continue to provide services at this current reimbursement rate, and the reason for that is that the cost to acquire the drug is very close to what the reimbursement rate is. Now, again, the nice thing is with the new permanent nursing code, some of that reduction in, in reimbursement is offset. Um, there is also a small payment for the pump and the supplies. So um, we'll see how, how things change with with sh- uh, sw- s- switching to the part B benefit for these patients with CIDP. Um, and very similar to the IVIG demonstration project, Really the goal of this change was stated as trying to improve access for patients to receive care in the home. So we'll see how that changes and watch that that new trend over the next couple of months and years.
0: Thank you, Leslie. It's been a real pleasure to have you today as our guest. Uh, I wanna thank you again for joining us to discuss the changes in Medicare and how they can affect patients that are treated with IG products. Um, Listeners, I'd like to thank you again for joining us today. Additional information regarding this podcast can be found on our website at www.igliving.com. If you have a question that was not answered, please contact me at acornette at igliving.com. Look for the next IG Living podcast announcement on our website for the opportunity to submit your questions. IG Living Advocate is a copyright production of IG Living Magazine, published by FFF Enterprises, and is the only magazine for immune globulin community comprised of patients who suffer from chronic illness and their caregivers.